Blog Talk Radio. AcousticHealth.com. I'm Loren Gailey, and today we're going into the interdimensional realms for messages from a group of Pleiadians who communicate with the guests on my show. Today we're going to talk about 2012 and the coming changes, the illusion of time, our ability to heal ourselves just like the Lemurians did, and our human ability to co-create our reality. And there is a new reality coming. Dr. Rebecca Orleans and Cullen Smith have written a book about this communication that they've had with this group of beings. The book is called Conversations with Lark Ma, A Pleiadian View of the New Reality. Rebecca has a Ph.D. in the psychology of consciousness and spirituality, and she's a spiritual counselor and therapist, and also the author of The Return of the Feminine. And her partner, Cullen Smith, is a visionary, a seer, a sensitive, and an energy healer. So together, this couple is acting as ambassadors to the Pleiadians to bring inspiring and powerful messages of hope, love, and peace. I'd like to welcome Rebecca and Cullen. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Loran. Thank you, Loran. We are really pleased to be here with you at this time. Thank you, and I hope I said Pleiadians right. How do you pronounce it? We pronounce it Pleiadians, but Larkma has taught us that the human language is not close to what they speak. They speak through heart tones and musical tones. So their pronunciation would probably be something more like Pleiadians because their language is very musical-based and it comes from the heart rather than from the mind. What about languages on Earth that have those tones? We have a Vietnamese that has six different tones, and then Chinese has four different tones. I would say that any time a language is speaking musical tones, it is accessing more closely the universal signals of communication. Let's first talk about the Pleiadians and who they are. Some may not know about this, so can you give us an overview and then also about who this particular group of beings is that you're talking with? The Pleiadians are a group of beings, energies, that come from the Pleiadians. Um, They have been working with mankind for a very, very long time. They have been helping us to evolve, helping us to understand greater understandings, greater greater development of who we truly are and how we can move into a more unified, more developed understanding of ourselves as humanity. This particular group, who call themselves LARKMA, are a group of six who they have explained to us that they they can be seen as six by us as as the way humans would recognize someone or an energy but they actually see themselves as one because of their understanding of unity and togetherness 
so they describe themselves as six of one or one of six. It's quite an interesting concept for humans because we base most of our understanding on individuality, how we have our own traits, our own our own sense of self. And the Pleiadians see themselves as an interwoven, linked, unified sense that they do have individuality within a group, but they also work in a group understanding. And that group understanding of love and truth and trust is really what they're sharing with us through you and the messages that they give you. They are teaching us to have no boundaries uh, between our heart wisdom and giving out love to each other rather than having boundaries of judgment, which calls separation. Um, judgment is one of the most separating activities that we deal with in the human form because we are constantly trying to decide what's right or wrong or judging something as like me or not like me. And through that judgment, we cause ourselves a great deal of psychological and physical pain. And as we move towards unity more, we actually are able to respect and understand each other's differences as part of the whole, as a beautiful contribution of, of being more than rather than being separated by seeing each other as less. You, Cullen, said that the Pleiadians, they have been working with us a long, long time. Does that go back to Lemuria? In their explanations through our dialogues with them, they've explained to us that, that they've been working for a very long time in different societies, different epochs, different ages to help us recognize who we are. I believe they've been working historically through many, many situations. Egypt, um, probably, certainly um, with the Mayans, and in, in much, much more ancient ideas, Lemuria, Atlantis, Mu, many, many different experiences. And it's Larkma makes it clear that Larkma is one group of Pleiadians. Many, many groups over the the eons of time that they've been working with us have also been working. Larkma has chosen to work with us particularly, but there are many Pleiadian groups who have worked with humanity. So this has been a very long very, very long-term association. When we speak of Larkma having been with humans or other Pleiadians having been with humans for a very long time, we're thinking of time in our historical linear concept of moving from past forward into present and looking backwards to see what has occurred. Larkma explains that time is a figment of our imagination, that we as humans and collective consciousness has orchestrated this structure to keep ourselves able to communicate with each other on some sort of level where we have a reference point. So time becomes a reference point, but as time is beginning to dissolve and fall away, all of these past lives, which Larkma calls parallel lives, are actually coming together so that we may actually experience something that we know we lived what we would call a past life in Lemuria 
simultaneously while experiencing something that we are having going on right now in our present. That might account somewhat for our experiences of deja vu, feeling like we've done something before, but the essence of the understanding that time does not exist is a very complicated idea for humans to grasp because we have oriented ourselves by time for a very long time. And so with the end of time, is that tied in with the ascension process? Is there an event that's going to take place? The end of time is about dissolving the structure. Um, To more fully answer that, I think we would have to speak about the Mayan calendar a little bit, which the Pleiadians were instrumental in bringing to humans for a better understanding of energy. It was never meant to be a marking off as a calendar of time. It was meant to be an understanding of various energies so that we could flow in more harmony on a day-to-day basis with the different energies of the universe as they exist. What's occurring now as we say the end of time approaches, is that the markings and the structure of time are dissolving so that we get a sense of everything is speeding up or we can't keep up or there's an internal sense of pressure that's happening with us as humans. And what we are being trained and taught and offered the opportunity to understand in its place is that it was never about time. It was always about understanding energy. For instance, one energy may have the day the energy of storm, which means everything gets riled up so that it can be cleansed, just like when a rainstorm calms down the pollen in the air. Or another energy may come into the system as a day of light, meaning that we have opportunity to open more to illumination at a different level of understanding. This is what the Mayan calendar was about all along, and this is what the Pleiadians are teaching us is how time is dissolving. It's not about an event. It's about an evolutionary process where we evolve in our understanding of energy rather than keeping ourselves boxed in into mental ideas around time. And we need to flow with those energies. So as we are moving through this process, I know there's great tools that Larkma have given and steps to take, and it really deals with our inward reaction to ourself. When we look at the world and we see a Gulf crisis, we need to look inward to get over that. So one of the first points in your book was on water, that water is magic, that we are water. And so in this, if we remember this as we're dealing with the Gulf situation, how can we move forward through this calmly and peacefully? This planet that we live on is a water planet. The, the makeup of, of this sphere is mostly water. We as humans are mostly made up of water. I think there's a direct parallel, a direct understanding that that water is the important element here for humans. We don't think on an everyday basis about how much water there is around us. We don't think about the fact that that our personal human makeup is mostly water. So one of the ideas, one of of the the principles of, of information that Larkma has brought us is to put those two elements together, they are the same element, 
they are not separate, but we as humans see them as there's water here on the planet, the oceans, lakes, streams. We have water within us, but there's never really been a definite direct connection or correlation between, aha, water all around us, water completely inside us, we're the same. And so one of the ideas that Larkma has brought is water is the connective understanding between the planet and humans. We are water. We communicate through water. It's, it, for a for hundred years, it's been thought that, that our, our communication is through the airwaves, that we have some special sense that, that we're all connected, and many people, there are, there are many experts who said historically, well, that happens through the airwaves. What Larkma has brought us is the understanding that it actually happens person to person, person to planet, through the understanding of water more directly, because we're all connected through that element of water. There's a resonance. Resonance is a really key understanding word. Um, when we think about our water communicating from person to person or with between the planet and each human, we have to understand that there's a resonance feature where when our water has a certain knowing or understanding or emotion or intention, others can pick that up through a resonant field. And the same for the earth. When the earth is communicating with us or we are communicating with the planet, there is a resonant field. And the more we can pull that resonant field in harmony through understanding that we are all water, we are all connected, the more we build the resonance so that communication is enhanced in a larger way. So in terms of dealing with a situation like the Gulf, if we focus on our distress and our being truly upset by what has happened and our care and our concern, if we focus on it in a way that comes out as worry and what can we do and I'm so afraid that the planet's going to die, what we are doing through the resonance is we are contributing to the problem because we are adding a negative vibration into the already existing vibration that is struggling to raise itself back up into harmony. In order to more clearly help the situation, a Larkma taught way to deal with it would be to come into the peaceful place within yourself of trust and trust that through our love and through our care we can be co-creators of what is going to be and with that understanding and grounding that in ourselves we then send out love and light to the situation and the light and the love help clarify the darkness eradicate the darkness that is really helpful instead of enhancing the fear or the distress of, of a disaster situation as we're noticing and focusing on the Gulf situation. If, if we think about it through a fearful or, or a, a frightened understanding, we're simply enhancing what is going on there. If we simply turn to our connection through water because we are water as we said a moment ago and the earth is water the gulf 
is a water situation. And if we focus on sending our love, energy, and light through the medium of water, that can only enhance in a positive way clearing and cleansing what's going on in a disaster situation. So instead of adding to the terror and the problematic or the negative aspect of a disaster, we can simply turn that around using our water, connecting with the water, and turning it into a lighter, more healing event. And LARCMA has shown us time after time that this process is quite simple. Just sitting, as you said, within ourselves, quietly sending this love, light, and energy makes an incredible difference. It, it simply, when added together with many people, brings about a change that that simply in a collective understanding and a collective consciousness does make a positive difference. You said it's about understanding the energy. It's not about understanding time. So this is a very good lesson as we look out in the world and we see the distress. We're being told to come within. It is so simple. In fact, some people would say it's a cop-out. Hopefully those people we can wake up, because I'd like to read from Larkma. This page fell open to the perfect paragraph of exactly what we're talking about. Here's what Larkma has to say. Most humans do not yet understand that they have the power to purify water through their own thoughts. They may simply purify the water within them as well as their own drinking water. Yet most human consciousness is not developed enough to pursue this, although there are some who understand and practice this concept. Placing the human energy field around a glass of water and putting love into the water can simply purify whatever is there. Yet most are not aware of how to do this. The power you have been discovering of your own water goes beyond the power of telepathic communication and thought and is also about the relationship of movement and communication of your water to the water of the planet. If we take that example that you've just read and apply it, it has such a healing and effective understanding of if there's a disaster, if, if there's something that, that is in disarray or disease, simply by going within and focusing on how can we best move that energy, whatever that energy is, if we simply feel it, know it, and send energy, we will be able to each of us individually and, and in a larger collective sense help heal the tear of an energy that comes with disaster. We just spend time alone and together in, in groups. It can be a solitary meditative 
situation, or it can be a concerted effort by many sitting together. It doesn't have to be in a meditative situation, just sitting, just being. Sending that awareness, sending that understanding has incredible healing powers to right whatever is not working in the design of the positiveness that it was working in before something negative or fearful or frightening has happened. It's just a very, very simple exercise. It can also be enlarged upon to clean up the oil spills within our own psyche, so to speak, our own emotional places of turmoil and trouble. LARCMA has taught us that emotions are nothing more than signposts telling us something needs to be worked on, something needs to be cleared out and changed. We are not to dwell in emotional spaces, but neither are we to avoid them, like the chronic New Age condition, which you were speaking a moment ago that some people would think it is a cop-out. There is one way of not dealing with things by saying, oh, only go towards the love and light and don't acknowledge that the shadow exists. That won't really deal with the duality of the situation, which is truth, because in truth we do have a dual situation on this planet and everything at this time. So if we have a situation personally in our family, in our community, or in the world, or certainly when we're considering nations at war, if we look at the emotional places where we're getting very upset about something that we feel is unfair or unjust, and we stop and look at that for what we're feeling, we may find an underlying level of another truth that we haven't examined yet. Somewhere where we're frightened, where the other is not like us and it scares us, or where we're frightened that what has occurred is not like we would do it and it's not good enough, or some other level of fear is usually underlying that what we call shadow work, dealing with that aspect of shadow within ourselves which is much the same as dealing with the shadow that exists in the Gulf at the present <clears throat> through the oil spill. It's the shadow of what needs to be changed. And the way we deal with that is not simply by turning away and only looking at the light, but by focusing on there's something here that needs to be changed and shifted. And let's send love and light into that darkness so it gives it an opportunity to be cleared and cleansed. Therefore, we clean up the issues between ourselves and within ourselves about where our own negative energies need to be raised to a higher vibration as well. Because we're all doing this, that will help the dark forces that are here disintegrate and dissolve as well as we move forward. Magma very lovingly says with a bit of humor, if you are approached by a dark energy, just look at it or sense it and say, oh, you need some love. I'll send you love, and the dark energy will run away very fast. <laughs> Basically, what they are teaching us is that the dark is dissolved into the light of love. And you were saying that we could just simply turn this with these emotions because our true state of being, as Larkma has offered, is calm, peace, love, trust. And when these emotions arise that bring us downward, we need to take that as a big clue. So it's as simple as paying intense attention to your emotions that take you away from those feelings of love and trust. The first thing that can be done is to understand that humans always have a choice. 
when when emotions rise and when emotions so to speak become out of control we often think here we are we're in this situation we either don't feel well we are upset there's something going on we may not be clear about what it is but something that Larkma has helped enormously with the information that they bring us the wisdom is that humans always have a choice we do not have to stay locked into what many of us would describe as a bad mood or a a sense of gloom that we can't move ourselves away from whatever the depth of that understanding whether we've had a bad day whether we've had an argument whether some something has come to us a piece of bad news whatever the situation is we as humans always have a choice to turn that around we always have a choice to say i'm not going to dwell here i'm going to simply see this as an opportunity to look more deeply at myself look at why am i so upset what is being triggered here what is causing me to lose my sense of joy my sense of happiness my sense of oh i i actually feel pretty good but these situations crop up and the simple understanding the first thing is just to look and say i have a choice to move this change this do something that causes a difference in this i think that's the first recognition that we can do something i would add to that that it takes great courage to do that because we are very familiar with our chronic patterns of when something arises in an emotional state of our what we call our right to experience it and while it's true that we certainly do have a right to experience it if we take a saner look at that why would we choose to experience something as staying locked into it and stuck into it when it's so uncomfortable our familiarity teaches us well i can't do anything about this this is how i feel and i have a right to my feelings but the choice that colin was speaking about is going to yourself saying to yourself oh i used to feel that way and it's coming up again and i feel it now but i have a choice to think differently about what's occurring here i don't have to link the same thoughts with these emotions and that's a very big clue and how to do it that Larkma has taught us is the emotions come up and we immediately get caught in our same old loop of what we think about similar emotions and breaking that loop of thought through choice by saying I'm going to stop these thoughts I'm going to think differently about what I'm feeling is a breakthrough point where we may actually change what's occurring how we deal with it and make a better choice so the situation has the opportunity to change our emotional system calms down to the place where we see more clearly with balance and we're under able to understand more deeply the truth of what's occurring and what needs to occur and at, th at that point we can begin to notice that the emotions are simply markers or signposts of oh something needs to change not as though they are an actual place to dwell in simply a marker or an indication that something's not working 
only as a signpost, not as a place to dwell. They become tools rather than stuck situations. And it's, it's amazing when we change our outlook or when we change our perspective and see them as tools rather than stuck places, that there can be an incredible freeing sensation that they're just there to help us. They're not there to dwell in. They're not there to mire ourselves in. Oh, my, this is happening again. This seems oh so familiar. They can actually be just a map, a guidepost to say, oh, I see that there's something that needs attending to, and I will use this emotion as that, not as a place to just sit in and, and have no movement. And that is a revolutionary understanding of how to look at and deal with emotions rather than the older way of feeling that we can't get out of that emotion, that we're stuck there. So it's a pretty interesting new idea of a tool rather than a place. We need to start and recognize that really there's nothing to be fearful of. Lachma has taught us that there are two principles in the universe. Um, we act out of fear or we act out of love, and those are the two guiding forces that cover every aspect of our thought and our behavior. If we are thinking about something we are afraid of or something that we are judgmental of, we are moving away from love. If we drop the judgments, we may discern differences, but if we drop the judgments and understand that those judgments come, up, come from a place of being afraid of being different, being afraid of not being okay, being afraid that we're not lovable or not loved, if we drop those differences, then fear dissolves by itself. It's continually coming back to a place of love by examining the fears. You can't just make them go away or sweep them under the carpet. You have to actually look at what you're doing, what you're thinking that comes from a place of fear so that you can consciously think differently about it, think more loving thoughts about yourself and about others, and through the love, the fear dissolves. Through that understanding, then love is the only force. As long as you are hiding from your fears or not dealing with your fears or attached to a belief system that supports your fears, then you will have both forces present in your life, fear and love, because you're feeding whatever you're feeding. Either feed your fear or feed your love, and that's what's going to manifest as you co-create your own environment. There's an interesting way of explaining this. If we're in a state of compassion, we can't simultaneously be in a state of reaction because if, if, we're, if we're compassionate, we are moving out of ourselves towards others, towards anything. But if we're in a state of reaction, that blocks us or prevents us from living in that state or place of compassion. So that's a separating signal to us. And it, and it, it is a, a fear or a love situation because if we're in compassion, love is the energy that is the most dominant or the dominant element. If we're in a state of reaction, 
fear is causing us to be reacting to things either that we don't understand or that are foreign to us. And that is the interplay between love and fear. If, if we can maintain a loving stance, there's no reason to be in a reactive stance against something we don't understand or that we fear in any way. So it's very interesting that if we come from a place of love, there's a genuine connection with everything. If we come from a place of reaction, we stop ourselves through fear or misunderstanding or misgivings or something that's not coming directly from love. It's, it's just a very interesting equation. And then once we work that out, we're able to heal ourselves that we used to have this ability in Lemuria. Healing ourselves has to do with beginning to look at our shadow and understand what is out of, out of order, what's not working, rather than distracting ourselves from looking at our own shadow by being too busy or by watching too much television or whatever we might do to distract ourselves. There, there's varying levels that humanity chooses to distract themselves from their pain and their discomfort. The courage to heal comes from the place where you are willing to look at what is out of balance. And that starts with looking at aspects within yourself that are out of balance emotionally and bringing those into a place where you examine the thought patterns around your emotions and see what you're thinking. If you are feeding your your entire physical and etheric system a set of thoughts about reality it's impossible virtually for the etheric body to reflect back to the physical body a state of health because you are constantly bombarding it with thoughts of another nature that reflective activity of thoughts that are coming from one viewpoint when there's another viewpoint that exists is what determines in a large part your state of health so the beginning place for help is recognizing what is out of, out of balance within yourself at an emotional and mental level. Then from there, you can begin to look at your physical aspect. And the physical has many, many things that you can do that Lartma has taught us to nourish the physical body. But I'd like to say it's all connected. We're all one. So the emotional, the mental, the physical, the etheric, it's all us. So in any avenue or level that we'd like to take the opportunity to start working with it, any place along the path that we want to work will attribute to our having better health. We can start with our diet. Lartma has taught us that sugar completely disrupts the crystalline structure within our own physical body. Sugar has a crystalline structure that is jagged and sharp, and it rips it rips the cellular metabolism, the cellular functioning of the structure within our crystalline bodies. One of the very first places you can start to heal your physical body is to stop having sugar in any form, and that includes corn syrup, which is sugar. Read labels on things and stop eating sugar. Another way that you can increase your physical health is to turn yourself away from any type of stimulant or any type of relaxant. That means alcohol, caffeine, nicotine. These things are not natural harmonies for the body to be involved in. And to get the body out of a natural connection with the harmony of earth so that we are 
jangled and, and unable to calm ourselves into a center of balance very easily. That's two very big things that we can do towards our health. And the third one goes back to thought again. What are you nourishing your physical body with in the thoughts that you take in or the entertainment that you watch? Or are you feeding yourselves on the nightly news of fear? What are you ingesting in terms of visual, sound, and thought? Those things also affect the physical body. And this this can bring us to a, a very, very important understanding of the cycles in nature. Humans have, through what we do, whether it's speeding up through stimulants or speeding up through the the work environments that many of us live in, trying to accomplish more and more and more each day, each minute, each hour, by calming ourselves down and reestablishing our connection with nature, we can slow the processes that we're involved with down to a more human rate. Nature is an incredible teacher of, of slowness, regularity, rhythm and cycles and starting to re-honor and I want to emphasize re-honoring those understandings about nature are one of the largest ways we can begin to heal ourselves not only individually but as a society and as a planetary understanding that concept itself is a huge understanding of how we can start self-healing on an individual basis, a societal basis, and a planetary basis. Healing from the inside through the help of nature then broadcasts out, out, out into a much larger understanding. The subtitle of my other book, which you mentioned in the introductory phase of this radio show, while I realize this radio show is not about that subject, there is an interlinking. The subtitle of my other book is Honoring the Cycles of Nature, and there is a deep connection between that and between what we're talking about that Markma has taught us. It's a honoring of that we need to be involved in and connected to our own cycles as human beings because we are nature. And that means listening to your body? It means listening to your body. It means honoring your body. It also means apologizing to your body. Telling your body, gee, I'm sorry I've been stuffing you with donuts and candy. I know that made it hard for you to work to cleanse out too many things that aren't good for me. I'm sorry I didn't get up off the couch and go for that walk in nature and put my feet on the ground. I'm sorry that I've allowed myself to get so exhausted and tired that I can't really be the fully vibrant person that you intended me to be. It's not only about making the change now, it's also about taking responsibility to communicate with your body, starting with an apology. Gee, I'm sorry. Let's go forward and do this differently from now on. Health can be reversed, not just with thoughts alone, but through looking at the entire system of how we are putting energy out into the universe and what we are taking back from the universe through our thoughts, through what we ingest, through food and water or drink, 
all aspects of what we were putting out. It's a dualistic system, this planet. What we put out, we take back in. What we take in, we put back out. It's up to us to be responsible and that exchange of back and forth energy and dualism to constantly come back to only taking in what is nurturing and only putting out what is nurturing, recognizing that everything we do is not only helpful for us, but helpful for everyone else and helpful for the planet, or harmful for us and harmful for everyone else and harmful for the planet. As Lartma says, they are one of six and six of one. We also are one of ourselves and many of us as the collective consciousness of humanity, and further beyond that, we're one with the planet. Since we're talking nature, your book also mentions Pan. Who is Pan? And I'm certain that people listening are familiar with the movie Pan's Labyrinth. Pan is the overlighting energy that takes care of and organizes the natural world. Pan classically is thought of an individual entity, an individual element. And what we are beginning to understand is that Pan is a much larger, much more encompassing energy that is all of nature, that has to do with all the elementals, all of the energies that work towards keeping the natural growing part of this earth working in an orchestrated and connected fashion. Um, every, every tree, every plant, every animal has a design, has a reason for being part of the whole. And the understanding of Pan is the understanding of that connective understanding of the whole and how all of the parts work together in a unified, combined understanding. Pan is a is, is a, a, a a simple mechanism, a simple guiding light to keep and balance all of the parts of nature that have to work in an interlinked understanding that it's all connected, it all works together, and each individual part makes the whole work in the way it does. It's just an amazing, an amazing conglomeration of energies orchestrated to keep everything running as it should smoothly and together. Because we as humans define ourselves by our individual characteristics and by the stories that we tell that are connected to time and understandings of past, present, and future, we frequently, in trying to understand energies such as Pan, ascribe certain characteristics and make them a being, make them into a story of who they are, what they carry, give them physical characteristics, give them an, an emotional aspect of who they are, give them powers and duties of what they do from a human understanding of making it fit within a storyline. What Cullen has just explained, I think, is that we need to get beyond our human 
structure of understanding story and open up our awareness to energy understandings of something as large and beautiful as Pan as a governing, overlighting being that orchestrates nature, not as a simple Hollywood-depicted being that has a story attached to it. Let's get to some transforming work that we can do. Larkma also talks about light and colors. Light and color have a much greater encompassing understanding than we often think of as just an apple is red or an orange is orange or a tree or grass is green. There's a vibratory understanding. There's a much greater pattern and significance to color than what we have simply been taught. That this, this item is this color, this item is another color. Colors have a vibratory understanding. We can use colors in healing. We can use colors in understanding that, that there's a greater significance to life than what we simply see with our eyes. There's a deeper, deeper understanding of vibratory information. Larkma has talked to us at length about each color having a vibratory sensation or a vibratory energy that actually has meaning. The color vibrations that Larkma has laid out for us in our linear human thinking give us something to attach meaning to so that we can work with them. The Pleiadians are trying to teach us about transformation through energy, about how to flow with energy in our lives so that we create a new reality. And that takes us back to the Mayan calendar again in transforming energies. But the color vibrations that Larkma has told us to work with immediately are pink, which is the vibration of love, green, which is the vibration of healing, and I also would like to, from my human perspective, point out that green is certainly present in all of nature in large ways. It's a very vibrant, living color, so of course it makes sense that it would be attached to the vibration of healing. Blue, which is a very calm vibration, which resonates trust. Gold, which is the light that protects us and clears our karma, helping us to move past things so that we're not stuck. White, which is the light of truth because it is so bright that it can, if we don't work with all the other lights, it can be a bit overwhelming to see the truth. Violet is the light of transformation, which works very nicely with gold. As gold breaks up our karma, violet gives us the energy to rise above and transform what we are and how we are. And then yellow is the light that represents illumination, being able to fully incorporate all of the other lights through understanding, wisdom, and knowledge. So those are the colors that Larkma has given us to work with, and they have also said that colors, of course, this is too simplified for understanding the truth of what they really, what they really are at a vibratory level. They are connected to musical tones as well. Um, you may experience colors by tuning in to the color and just sitting with it and resonating with what does this feel like to me? Why am I choosing to wear a certain color on a certain day? What color would I like to bring into this meeting I'm having with my boss today? 
do I don't want to take in something with the energy of gold so that I clear up karma of past difficulties we've had in this situation? Do I want to bring in the color of blue so that my boss knows I'm really reliable and my boss knows that they can trust me or she can trust me? Do I want to bring in the energy of pink so that I'm vibrating love into a situation that needs it? Even our color choices of what we wear and what we bring into a situation can help us deepen our understanding of the vibrations of energy that Lartman is trying to teach us about. In the same way, energy understanding is related to the Mayan calendar, and I would like to speak about one transformative event in a few moments that LARTMA is suggesting that we as humans can participate in to help all of us evolve and transcend the current situation. I would like to add one more idea about color. Silver is also an important color because silver is the connective color that can be seen as tiny silver threads that connect all of the colors together, that connect all of the meanings and all of the vibratory understandings of the colors. Silver can be used as a vehicle to utilize all the other colors individually or together. Thank you for adding that, Colin. That's really important that we understand the connective energy. Like the silver cord when there's some who astral travel. Yes. Rebecca, did you say you were going to tell us what we could do for an event? There is a worldwide event that is a global call for unity consciousness, a human setting of intention to move towards unity and move towards love rather than continuing this pattern we've had for thousands of years of judgment, fear, and separation. And it's based upon the work of a man who has studied the Mayan calendar more deeply than anyone I know. Um, his name is Carl Kalaman, and he has understood the energetic implications of the Mayan calendar far more deeply than most Mayan calendar scholars. He has orchestrated something called the ninth wave of consciousness intention setting because according to the energy settings of the Mayan calendar, what we are moving into is another level of consciousness where we are more able to transcend the current situation, the current patterns that have locked us into karma of repetition on the wheel of karma lifetime after lifetime. We now have the opportunity with this influx of light that the universe is offering us to actually set an intention to move towards unity and love without the pain of all the karma we have been creating and living. The event is going on globally all over different points, east-west. You may get information from it at two different places. We have uh, on our website, www.larkma.com, and that's spelled L-A-A-R-K-M-A-A.com, or there's information under www.commonpassion.org slash groups slash conscious dash convergence. Either place you can get information for wherever the radio listeners are on the planet. They have an opportunity to join in, see how to join either physically by joining a group or intentionally by themselves joining the group through unity intention to set the intention at this very auspicious time. 
The ceremony to help us re-remember who we are is occurring on July 17th and 18th. So we have plenty of time for people to investigate this and to decide how and if they would like to participate. It's up to us to help reawaken the truth of who we really are as divine beings. And the Pleiadians have taught us, Lartma has taught us, that they were instrumental in bringing the Mayan calendar to us as a guidance system. So with this combined understanding of the energy of light coming from the universe at this very auspicious time that approaches, we have an opportunity to really make a difference. This celebration, this, this awareness of new light and new energy coming to Earth is a culmination of all that has happened since the first harmonic convergence in August of 1987. This is a progressive understanding of, of what has gone on for these past 23 years. And this is a culmination of bringing the energies, the changes, and all of the hopes that have been moving and moving and moving towards more unity amongst humanity. So this is an incredibly important and connective time of, of intending for this light and love to actually come to fruition. So it's a very important connective time. And the power that is available being presented to us at this time through this light, Lotma has explained to us, is exponentially greater than it was at the beginning when we started in 1987. So it's incredibly important for all those who wish to see a change in the world to form the intention and to join in unity with making the intention that we can and we will make a difference. Each action and each thought is much more potent and much stronger than it has ever been in human history. So what we're hoping is that many, many people will participate on these two days to help bring this light, this love, and this energy together because the strength of what we're being given is so much greater that each of our work and all of our work together will, for the first time, really make a huge difference. And I don't know who wouldn't want to take part in this, who wouldn't want to release their old shadows and just live in a more unified state of truth and love and unity. So I am going to get this out to everyone I know, and I encourage everyone listening to please forward this show along to your friends and post it on your social media and be sure to visit larkma.com again that's www.laarkmaa.com and you're going to want to pick up a copy of this book because I've slept with it under my pillow and I've had some fascinating dreams if you want to call them that it's just wonderful information, and I want to thank you both for being here. Thank you for the work that you're doing and for bringing this opportunity to others to be able to share in what LARTMA is sharing with us and teaching the world. Thank you for allowing us to help share LARTMA with humanity. This is an incredibly important piece of, of wisdom. It's 
not just Larkma. There are many energies. There are many beings who are bringing this information forward at this time. It's coming through many humans. It's coming through dreams. It's coming through intuitions. It's just wonderful that we can share openly now these kinds of informations publicly. And we thank you very, very much for allowing us this opportunity to do this. Well, thank you, Rebecca and Cullen and Largma. And thank you, too, for listening. If you've enjoyed today's program, please forward it to your friends so we can get this information out to the world. And be sure to mark this show as a favorite so you can stay in touch with all the latest spiritual news. I now leave you with music from the universe, available on acoustichealth.com. Music.